Hey, hello. I've been here every week. I didn't get the email. Where have you been? Oh, it's amazing being back. Um, and hello at home and in New Zealand and Arizona and all the places we have expanded to in lockdown. And did you notice when you came in, you couldn't enter the sanctuary until the man cleansed you? That, that's just, oh, we're just getting started. You can't come to the living God unless the man cleanses you. And the whole world needs to be cleansed. And who is that man? It, well, it was Dennis this morning. But on another level, just slightly better level, but only just, the living God, Jesus. And in his name we're gathered back. Um, so welcome on in. We're repeating this at six o'clock. So that slot is still on. Um, children at home, um, if you like drawing, um, I want you to draw um, a land with like things that you think would make it the perfect world in. I think that would be really interesting. I think my boys brought something along. So you're looking into a world and just put your, the things you think would make that world perfect. Stick that in. Um, all right, and the rest of us, uh, I got some questions. Because we're in Numbers 13, and my first question is this. Um, what American novel was released in 1939? You're not allowed to, so I told you. Well, actually, you guessed it already. Released in 1939, American novel, and won a Pulitzer Prize. What was it? <clears throat> oh. Oh, it's up there. All right, okay, who wrote it then? Because that's not up there. I'm not sure you're allowed to answer, are you? Yay. John Steinbeck. When I was writing this sermon this week, I thought, I haven't actually read that, so I've ordered it, and I'm going to get a move on, because people say it's one of the best books ever. I wonder if it's stolen from Moses, though, in Numbers 13. I'm going to be looking out for that. See, he's taking stuff from Moses. And you're going to see why in a minute. But my next question is, have you ever been to uh, Egypt? Some have. Mike has. Levi hasn't. <laughs> I'm glad about that one. I'd be worried if you had. I met Joe Calzaghi in Egypt, but that's a different story. We actually had an argument with Joe Calzaghi on the aeroplane to Egypt. We'll do that another time. I'm sure Joe remembers it if you're watching it on the live stream. Um, okay, why am I asking these questions? Egypt in the Bible, it, well, the actual Egypt, used to enslave the ancient church and be nasty to them and bully them. And so the Bible uses Egypt as a picture of being stuck in sin or slavery or being bullied or being trapped. You're not flourishing like you'd love to be. You're just stuck in Egypt. That's how the Bible often uses Egypt. Not always, but often. All right? My boys at the dinner table with me at the moment, we're reading Exodus, bits of Exodus. And um, in Exodus, the divine angel, the Son of God, leads the church out of Egypt to the promised land. And the promised land of the Bible, it said, it was called Canaan or Israel. And it said in the Bible, it was a picture or a copy of heaven. 
So what happened with the ancient churches, the Son of God let them out of slavery and darkness and bondage and set them free to worship heaven on earth. And that's the story of Egypt and the ancient church. And it's the story of every, Jesus, every Jesus-centered church ever since. It's the story of us here in Park End. Jesus, the divine angel, the Son of God, um, has set us free from sin to meet his Father, get to know him, live heaven on earth as close as we can, and then live heaven properly one day when he remakes the world. That's the story of Christianity. And in Numbers 13, it's all kicking off because they are about to go in to the promised land. But before I get there, I got another question. What's the best place you've ever been? Hmm, have a think. Pembrokeshire, my lot of saying. Butlins, for some of you? No? Centre Parks. Newport, this is my list that I wrote. Butlins, Newport. (laughs) The Algarve, people love that one. Away from the children? (gasps) Who said that? (laughs) All right, no comment. In this part of the story in in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the church is about to get into a place even better than the Algarve or Newport or Butlins. It's the new world. It's the promised land. In the promised land, children, I don't know what your drawings will have. Um, They have fresh water. Do you remember that? Fresh water, um, plants flourishing, animals enjoying life, um, vast panoramas of beauty. It was the best, and you could just live freely there. It was basically living safely with Jesus as he helped you get to know your father, hit their father. It was the best. So what wasn't it like? Cardiff in 2020. And the world in 2020, where it's like, this isn't freedom. We feel totally trapped. Um, It's actually really depressing. Um, I can't even walk around, let alone um, do the things I used to do. So that's Cardiff. I don't know if you read this this week, but the Telegraph said, so it's got to be true. The Telegraph said, uh, more people at the moment because of this year are feeling their fragility more than ever. So I don't know if you feel frail, a few nods. Um, Alcohol addiction is up 33% in the UK. (laughs) Um, That's not funny, but I was looking out because some people are looking guilty here and looking at the person next to them with shame and that. Um, That, by the way, is 50 units a week being consumed now by quite a high amount of people in the UK. That is 17 pints a week. 17 pints a week. You're not really, I don't think, living the promised land. I think there's something wrong there, isn't it? If you drink 17 pints a week every week, you're not happy with where you're at, I don't think. And the Telegraph doesn't think. So for our church... In 2020, which isn't like the promised land, we need to live 
rather than just exist. That's what we need to do, that's what church does. Humans actually don't need 17 pints a week, even in 2020, to be alive. We actually don't need to escape. We can have glimpses of what the church in Numbers 13 had, and we can get really excited about that. And when people are peering into um, addictions, drugs, alcohol, domestic abuses on the rise, all sorts of escapism, the church, instead of peering into that to escape and to live, we can still stand on our tiptoes today and peer into something better. And they were peering in on the edge of glory back then. And we actually get to do that in church too. Only church gets to do that. And I'm going to prove it in a minute. We get to be led this morning by the divine angel to peer into a world to come of pure glory. And because it's so exciting, it sort of fires us up a bit now. And we can actually start living it out and get exciting about it, excited about it now. So here it is. Let's peer in. I'm just going to reread a couple of verses that uh, Richard Barrett read. <clears throat> the Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan. So now you all know what that means. For which I am giving to the Israelites. So at the Lord's command, uh, they sent out 12 of them, each representing parts of the ancient church, 12 of them. Okay, so off they go. They do a few bits and bobs. That's for another sermon. But they bring back something. And the clue's in the title. They bring back something as evidence that they have peered into the world of glory to be excited about. Like, what's the evidence you've been there? What's the evidence in 2020 that you are actually beginning to put your hope in something glorious? What is it? <clears throat> you know it. Ten of them actually come back and they're like, oh, no, we can't possibly get into the land. We can't. There's too many problems. Two of them love it. But ten of them, they're like, oh, we can't. Um, and they come up with, and this might resonate with churches in the West at the moment because we're quite ineffective Ten of them say, oh, no, we couldn't possibly because dot, 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 but, dot, dot, dot. And they list all these, like, seemingly wise and legitimate reasons why we can't possibly advance as a church and all this stuff. Just on that, because <clears throat> I think it's quite important, I got a book at home that says, beware of buts. Not that, like the word but. <clears throat> beware of all types of buts, but particularly the word but. It says this. Lives and churches can be destroyed by the word but. So ten leaders come back and like, no, we can't go and do what Jesus says. Um, it's a nice land, but don't get too excited today. Don't put your hope too high. I mean, God does exist, but, right? And this book says, this is what the Lord God has says, but. That dangerous word in our lives this is what the Lord has promised us today, but can't quite get involved with it. I know that the Lord has promised to guide the church safely to his home, and he has, but I'm not sure how much I can live it out. 
and, and enjoy that today. I got too many problems and fears to fully, to fully trust him. So I got to keep managing my life a bit as well. So it'll be him and me. He's all right, but I know the word of the Lord <coughs> will like start to make me flourish a lot more. And I might get around to reading it a bit one day, but you know, all that but stuff really stops church from flourishing. And it does in Numbers 13. <coughs> Sorry, live stream for my <coughs> um, heckle, my coughing. Um, they even say, and children, you can read it later at the end of the chapter, we feel like grasshoppers and there are giants in that land. We're just little grasshoppers compared to the scary people in that land that we'd have to fight off. Um, children, I just want to speak to you at the moment. You're going back to school and it's quite a worrying thing, isn't it? Adult, uh, I know that Sam Ogonovsky's going back to uni today. Quite a, like a worrying time of life. What's my life going to look like in school? How's my future going to be affected by the strange time at the moment that we live in? Now, you will feel like a grasshopper, just overwhelmed with worry, if your view of Jesus is tiny. Because ten church leaders had a tiny vision of Jesus, and they looked into the land that they were told to go and conquer. And they're like, oh man, no, there's too many giants there. We can't go in. Tiny vision of Jesus. This is the same Jesus, by the way, that had just wiped out the Egyptian army to get them out of Egypt. And made the waters of the Red Sea rise up. Like, just imagine walking through a sea where the waters are parted and like... The little mermaid is eye height with you and she's thinking, what's going on here? And you're just walking through a parted sea with the fish. They're just watching you and admiring Jesus as you walk through. That's pretty awesome stuff. The crabs are there thinking, what are they doing? And then that was only about two months before this. And now they're like, oh no, yeah, Jesus, he isn't that big after all. He's just done the mermaid thing. I think he can handle the people in that land. But they had a tiny view of Jesus. <clears throat> Children, every day just talk to Jesus in school. Um, the uh, youngsters linked to our church going back to uni or starting work in an uncertain future. Just lift Jesus up in your mind and thought, chat to him. He'll perfectly handle your school life and your future. That's the amazing thing of lifting Jesus up. Two of them did here. Only two. You can. You can lead this church and just trust in Jesus with everything. Have a massive view of Jesus and you won't be a grasshopper. So I just want to sort of focus now on what did they bring back? Uh, what was the evidence that they, they are going to the glorious world to get excited about? And this is why I asked you... What's the title? Grapes are rough. And I also asked you, what's the best place you've ever been? All right. It's all coming together. What's the first thing? What is the doorway to the world to come that they're about to inherit? What is it? It is, should we do like a quite low and depressing grunt behind our masks? It's a bunch of <laughs> grapes. Grapes. That's it. And that's where we're staying for the rest of this talk. Children, they bring back grapes. 
These must have been massive grapes because they only bring back one clump of it and it takes two of them to carry. That's how amazing this land is. It's really flourishing. It's like North Wales or something, or even better. The Gower, something like that. Now you're thinking, Owen, what on earth do grapes mean? Good question, and I anticipated you thinking it. And why is a sermon called Grapes of Wrath? Good question, I'm glad you asked. First of all, what are my biggest fears? Children, always cut grapes in half before you eat them. And cherry tomatoes, I just wanted to put that out there. I really get worried with grapes. That's by the by. But the next question is, children, what happens if you squeeze grapes? Like you grab a red grape and you squeeze it. What starts to look like is trickling down your hands? Oh, they're not allowed to answer. Sign it, sign language. What looks like if you just go with grapes and crush it? But blood. Blood, isn't it? And that is exactly how the Bible describes grapes. Grapes in the Bible are most often used for a symbol of new life coming after this flattening of judgment and blood. Isn't that interesting? Um, in Genesis 49, the Messiah is said to wash his garments in wine and his robes in the blood of grapes. What's that about? In Deuteronomy 32, the wine is described as the foaming blood of the grape. Hmm? And, and something that joy comes from after a period of crushing. There's a lot of people who like wine in Park End, I've gathered from being here since November, not naming any names. But the Bible does say it gladdens the heart. But after it's been crushed. Um, in uh, Lamentations 1, you love it. Isaiah 63, Revelation 14, God's wrath, his anger, children, is described um, like with grapes as like this wine press of judgment. Crushing anger, but it leads to life. Now, let me redo the last verse again uh, that I want read. Back in Numbers chapter 13, when they reached the valley of Eshkol, they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes. And now, here's where it gets mind blowing. And this is why we're exactly the same as the ancient church. Two of them carried it on a pole between them, along with some pomegranates and figs. We'll get to that in the future, because that's really important as well. The place that was called the Valley of Eskol, because the cluster of grapes the Israelites had cut off there. So, here we go. What's happening? They peer in to the world to come. The place where there's no COVID, no sin, no death. No decay, and they bring back grapes carried on a plank of wood, the better versions say, or poles of wood, between two people. Huh? You're thinking, aren't you? The children have got it. Let's rewind that again. The evidence and the hope for the ancient church that they've peered in is that they bring back a symbol of judgment which brings life. 
when it's crushed. Between two sinners on a pole. Yeah? Shall I, shall I do it again? <laughs> no, you look, you look like you've got it. A symbol of wrath between two people on a wood, on a piece of wood, equals the door to the world to come, where life flourishes, where everything is good. The land where we can be pure, and they do get there, and they do live pure, sort of, not as much as they should. Where we can be pure, even though we've been impure. So if there are any addicts watching this morning, <clears throat> there is a world, and we get to start living it out in church now, where, where we've been impure, we're pronounced pure, and we can enter the sanctuary to serve the living God. Where the spirit isn't just a theory, but we live it out. There is that world. They peer in. We get to taste it a bit now. We're going there, though, where it's maxed out, where people can flourish, where they don't need alcohol abuse to just get through life. There's something better. They flourish. That's all coming. And now you're thinking, hang on a minute, Owen, didn't Jesus, just before he died, as a symbol of judgment on a cross, drink wine with his church leaders and say, if you drink this, you'll live, because this is my shed blood for sinners. You're thinking that, aren't you? You're also thinking, didn't Jesus say, I am the door, the way in to everlasting life? He did say that. He did say that. Didn't Jesus say that everything for the church is going to be glorious, just come to me, I'm the way. If you want to peer in and have real hope, come to me. Get to know me and my world, learn about me and I'll bring you there, out of Egypt to flourish. You could do it now, start now. You've already turned from death to life. Start now and then we'll all get there one day together in new life. Jesus is the best thing about heaven because he's the way in he's the door we are like going to a world where we've got no place to be no right to be there but we're going because there's a symbol of judgment that has been crushed for the church where all of our sins have been put on him and he's been crushed but through that spilt blood we get life true flourishing church life. That's why we call this the grapes of wrath. So today, we focus on Jesus. We get excited about what he's going to bring church and how we can start living it out. And my last bit is, all right, Owen, if he's the way in, what sort of things did they get up to in that new world when they finally got there? Because they messed up a bit, but they did eventually get there. How can we live out the world to come now in Park End Church in 2020. How? All right, all I'm doing to close is I'm listing some stuff that they started to live out when they did get to the promised land, a picture of heaven. And we need to do it because what's one of the biggest prayers Jesus wants us to pray in the life of the church? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth, in Cardiff, as it is in heaven. So we've still got to peer in and live it out. We still do that. Jesus says, that's church. Just live it out. Okay, here's my list of something. I've got like 10 more pages of notes that they got up to in life, but 
can't, can I? Time limits and all that stuff. Lunch is on. We'll do it, though, as the weeks go on. Here's a quick fire list. When they entered the land to come, and they flourished like heaven on earth, what you find is this. Marriages, if, they were, if people did get married, it was a source of joy and not stress. That's what Jesus wants to do with the family life, if you're part of family. Children were brought up to live fruitful lives. They weren't told they were just bundles of nothing from nothing going nowhere. That's rubbish. That's not flourishing life. People weren't in daily fear of anxiety because they lived with a high priest who daily just talked to the Father about what they were going through. We can do that. We pray together for each other. They lived clean lives. They didn't worry about purpose or who am I because it was all bound up in the priest who just brought everything that church was going through to, to the Father and he'd say, you're my children. That's it. You're mine. You're mine. Now flourish. Flourish. I'll handle everything. You just live for me and enjoy me. That's why I mentioned the children. Exams. Like Christian children don't need to freak out at exams. Because yeah, we work hard. But if we flunk, we know that our lives are not bound up in education. Not really. Who cares, really? Um, what matters is we're children of the living God. That's what matters. That's why church people will flourish if they have a big view of Jesus. I got a couple more. Um, if your children and teenagers in the ancient church, when they entered, they weren't allowed to cut themselves. Isn't that a weird law? Don't cut your flesh. And I've noticed there's tons of cutting flesh at the moment in Cardiff, um, in where, and where I used to live. Why were they not allowed to cut their flesh? Or get tattoos of death, like skulls and stuff. There was laws against that. Why? Because we're people of life. We're people of life. We don't even want symbols of death on our bodies. Because we're all about life. Not like death and decay. Jesus has sorted all that out. We don't cut ourselves and spill blood on purpose. Because we're trusting in his blood and it gives life. That's, isn't that interesting? That that's why that was banned. It's just a statement that oh, I'm nothing, I mean nothing, I am nothing. Come to church and flourish, you're so much more than that. I got a couple more. Um, in the kitchen, I don't know what you're having for lunch, I love this one. This is in the, one of the courses I'm going to be teaching in uh, church, the Frameworks course. Have a listen to things they were and weren't allowed to eat. Because church and eternal life even affects the kitchen. Um, this isn't a plug for one particular diet, by the way. But listen to this. Do not eat, when you enter my land, do not eat eagles. <laughs> You're like, good. Yeah, I'm on board so far. The vulture. That's some of your lunches out today. Is it? No, you won't eat the vultures. The black vulture. The red kite. The black kite. Any kind of falcon. Don't eat that. Um, any kind of raven. The horned owl, the screech owl. Anyone's got a screech owl in the slow cooker today? Get it out. Don't have that in church life. Any kind of hawk. So what's it saying? That's from Deuteronomy 14. Basically, don't eat any animal which doesn't act like a Christian. <laughs> Isn't it? All of those animals, and this is what the book's going to draw out when we teach it, 
have basically got weapons attached to their body just to destroy stuff. Don't eat things which just murder for a living. Don't get that in your body. Remember, you are what you eat. So take in, like the animals that seem to get that Jesus is Lord and there's a world coming with no sin. Put that in your kitchen. And so you find you get to eat all the like little grassy, happy animals that you can go and pet in um, Folly Farm. The Christian ones, like sheep and stuff like that. You know, the proper theologians who understand the world to come. Take those in you. Just do that. Because my life even affects the kitchen. Just take on that. Here's a really interesting one. Don't cook a young goat in its mother's milk. That's from Deuteronomy. Why is that? Have you ever thought about that? That was a big thing to the ancient church. I think it's this. That milk was specifically produced to give life and preserve life for that offspring. So don't mock that system of life-giving by cooking it in its mother's milk. Isn't that profound? All types of death and symbols of death, get rid of it. Because now you're church and you're living out what heaven's like. And they peered in, and I close now. They peered into that world with no abuse, no violence, well, the wrong kind of violence, no broken relationships, no sin. And we're to live that out. Oh, no, this is the last one. They celebrated the Passover, the month of Aviv. So they began the year, the month of Nisan or Aviv. Do you know when that was? So their, their year began, do you know when? In spring. Not in the darkness and decay of December where we all just want to stay in bed. They got that if you're going to start the year off properly and flourish, do it in spring. That's when the first festival will be. Oh no, I've got one more. Come on, it's been six months. Let me do one more. Because this is my favourite. This is my favourite. They celebrated um, the Feast of Booths or Tabernacles. Where... They would build a little shack for a while and live in it. They, so they'd leave their home and they'd go and live in this little cooped up shack. And um, it was a massive fest festival. Do you know why they did that? Because when they came out, they went from their little decaying shack back into their home, their solid home. And Hebrews loves this. It's always talking about Abraham and the Feast of Booze and that. Look into the world to come. And here's why it's important. Because in COVID-19, a year of COVID-19, and maybe here, our bodies, some of us, feel like a decaying shack. Don't they? And like the message we need to go out is, no, there's a solid home coming. Your body's going to be a solid home when Jesus remakes it. So even that sorted. So go and live like a COVID little lifestyle, get shacked up, feel your back problems and your breathing problems, and then come back into your house. That's what's coming. You know when you've been camping and you come back and you have a really warm shower after a week of living in sludge, and you're like, yes, now I'm home. Isn't it? You're back in the solid house. That's what they did there as well. And it was all... The entry point was understanding the grapes of wrath, that all of this has been bought for church. We don't deserve it, but sins are forgiven and we get to be made clean by the symbol of wrath on Calvary's tree. Between two sinners, he died there for us. Grapes of wrath, Jesus slain for us. Life is in church. That's what's come in. We're going to live it out. In the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's trust Jesus more than ever. 
Okay, folks, so we're going to close by remain seating. Well, I I suppose you don't have to as long as you stay where you are. But you're not allowed to sing. You can mutter, I stand amazed in the presence by Sue, Dave, and Ben Ricketts. Thanks.